Well, look at this. Here we are. Episode one, two, three, four. It's got to be eight. Got to be episode eight. Yeah. Got to be Dave. Yeah. Eight of them. That's the two months, right? Eight, wow. eight yeah. weeks, two months. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a trailer, so technically nine weeks, so definitely over two months and uh, going, well, we'll, going strong. We'll be wearing them out out there. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, that's the thing about if you've got endless trivia, yeah, you got endless episodes in you. I, I can't imagine that when you run out of words, we will retire the podcast. So well, I'm going to try to take that in the best possible light. I mean, that could have hurt my feelings. If I was really sensitive as I, you know, and I could be. Yeah. I mean, that could cause me some sleepless nights. But why don't you tell people where we are? Well, this is pretty unique. So we started work. I started I started work. HD2, of course, started work weeks ago. But I started work. We're, we're, we're at a cutting. We're down at the legendary Silver Slade in Staveley, Alberta. And we are in the Jayco HD2 trailer. You got a travel trailer, dude. I did, yeah. Um, well, as it turned out, the the rooms at the inn were booked. There was going to be nowhere to sleep. I've wanted a trailer for a really long time. And this was, I was like, you know what? We're here all the time. And apparently the rooms were going to be booked the whole season. So I thought, now's the time. Make it happen. Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the, the timing we talked before that the hotel, the uh, multi-story, yeah. the, the skyscraper in in. Claire's home, mm -hmm. the wheelchair, the been sold or whatever. It's been sold, but it's under construction, reconstruction, mm -hmm. being remodeling. So, yeah, the rooms here at Silver Slate are great, I find. They're very they convenient. Yeah. But, yes, they just, they've just they been booked for the entire season. So, mm -hmm. got to have a place to stay. A very interesting layout. Like, this is kind of a cool little trailer. It's got a slide out. We're yeah. sitting in the slide out. Well, and and you were talking about this earlier. It's got the lift, and you said, "Why, why well, the lift? We don't know yeah, why the lift." Yeah, for a stubby-legged guy like myself, I come to the stairs, right. and you had to put all three stairs out so I could get up here. You know what, Ron? Yeah. Another reason to to jump. Like I mean, oh, we're not. We're doing, back at it again. Oh, oh my knee is aching. Now. I mean, we, could, I, we don't have to talk about the jump. Well, we couldn't record yeah. the podcast if you couldn't get up here. What happens if the all of a sudden the stairs won't yeah. fold or something? You know, I hit a bump on the road. I can't get down, and now. Tell you what, what else is hurting my feelings. <laughs> so, a couple of remarks you made have kind of hurt my feelings, and I'm kind of on you edge have anyway. Feelings? But I look over, I look over, and eavesdropping on our podcast is the video guy. Yeah, the guy who yeah, came up yeah, with the idea. Yeah, yeah. We got Lozy over there. Yeah. Mark Lowen's laying on the bed over there, quiet as a church mouse. And he's laughing about this jumping deal because he still thinks it's a fundraiser. <laughs> I. Personally, I think it's arthritis. <laughs> I got arthritis. But anyway, yeah, so uh, we're, we're not jumping. But interesting uh, layout, like slide well, out the bed. Um, can I ask you about the bunk beds? What's with the bunk beds? I know. Well, I I mean, I see it as an opportunity for the family to go camping. Because oh, okay. Danae yeah. saw the uh, the trailer yesterday, and right. she was giddy. Um you know, I, I, I miss camping and I would like to go camping in the mountains, maybe do some hiking, but uh, my wife is not interested in tenting. I think we can get her to come along in this, but yes. if she doesn't want to, the girls will come along. Now, those bunk beds over there, they're not super long. Um, yeah, yeah. My Oof. girls are quite tall. So, you know, it's, uh, hey, but I mean, as far as camping goes, yeah. like we can't be complaining about no. this experience. No, well, this is all right. This is pretty cool, anyway. So well, it, it does. It's serving the purpose, right? You know, and and I and I, I appreciate already. Yesterday, you were helping me out because it was darn cold when we got yeah, down what? here. So, so what was the, what were those movies? Uh, vacation movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah National yeah. Lampoons. Yeah, the yeah. National Lampoons, and it, and it reminded me of that when I saw you. Kind of, you were going to back your trailer in here, and I I, I got to command you. Hey, yeah, first might try. be a rookie guy, but I mean, you backed it in here, mm -hmm. got it on the level ground, first try out. Like, I'm, I'm a defenseman as a hockey player. I've been back going backwards my whole life, Ron. So I got, I got no problem going backwards on that trailer, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, they they actually uh, used to bug me, big butt Bernard. I had a fairly large backside in the hockey huh. day. So I had to beep when I was backing up and I was, you know, so yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to cut this. <laughs> well, you can't, oh, you got to leave that on. <laughs> I, leave I mean, this this on? the visual people out there in podcast world are thinking he's going to big butt. Yeah. yeah. I they used might... to, not anymore. I lost oh, it. I'm oh, building it shit. back with well, Tessa. Tessa's helped me get my butt back. Okay. Well, if you're sitting out there, you're having those adult thoughts about yeah. Dave's big butt, forget it. You know, Ron, I have to anymore. say though, like, 
you had never seen me back up a trailer before and no. you were back there helping me out, like waving me to go here. And I was. I, I, I appreciate that. I was giving you the, the yeah. hand signals and I, I also thought uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, I thought that. Yeah. And I also thought the backing up commercials that you see, you know, this is the end of a lot of marriages. And I thought, <laughs> well, episode six was pretty good. Episode seven. I don't know. Yeah. You know, this could be the end of the podcast deal that if I help him it. back up and it doesn't turn out real good. <laughs> but anyway, we got well, Gene here. You know what though? You you helped me out with uh with backing up and I you know, I felt comfortable with that. You helped me, you know, get the furnace going because it was crazy cold. Right. And, uh, and then right. you invited me over to your place, which was already warm because you're way ahead of the deal. But we talked about maybe a future episode's gonna be uh trailering camping one oh one with with Ron. You're gonna, you know, camping for, <laughs> for dummies and you're gonna tell me your plethora of knowledge. Knowledge so oh. that I can become a great camper in no time at all. Well, I, I sure like places like the Silver Slate here that's got uh, the plug-ins. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you got, you got power. Yeah. Particularly because everybody should know this. I, I don't know whether everybody is aware of this, but my thermometer told me it was minus 11 here yesterday. And overnight was like minus 11 to minus 12. Mm. So th this is as tough as you ever want to do it. So we're dry camping. Like we, we don't have water in our, uh, no. in our reserve tanks. <laughs> no. We don't have our hot water heaters going. We, the, that, that puppy's going to be solid gold. You, you couldn't have had water, ice. Ron. If we no. had water, we wouldn't have had water. We would no. have had ice. No, we'd had ice. It's, yeah. it's a, it's, just not not acceptable, but it is cold. We're making it out. So you're telling me that if I can get through this, then I'm set. Oh. I can do oh. I can do anything. Oh, you're gonna like this Man. after this. You're pumping me up, Ron. I love well, this. Thank you. Hey, what? I want to say, talking about getting pumped up. Did you see? Have you had a chance to read the article that Monique O'Sullivan wrote for or oh. about the show in the Western Horse Review? No, I haven't seen it yet. You told me about it, and yep. I was going out there, and I was thinking, oh, I got to grab the magazine and read about it. Okay. So, what did she say? She talked to you, and I know you yep. were you were quite happy with the article. I, you know what, Monique is such an easy person to talk to. Uh, she's a very interesting person, and I think eventually, you know, the opportunity to have her on the podcast will be there because I think I've right. I may have already mentioned. I believe she's going to compete in the Run for a Million. Right. You so I want to talk to her about that. But we talked for a really long time, and and it's a good thing that they didn't include everything that we talked about. Here's a little <laughs> chance for me to just. It's jump a one in pager. There. You're, you're sitting there going, "Well, we talked a long time. We did. Now, it must have been quite a contest." Because I've seen her talk and I've seen you talk, and this might have been quite a contest to yeah. see who was going to do the listening. You know, I, I thought I would fit that in there. It's that's my only chance to do it. Yeah, is that what they say pot calling the kettle? Yeah, it is. Is that an example? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you talked a long time. We did. So she included a lot of great information about the show. Some of, I would say, hopefully most of we we have talked about on the yes. podcast. But you know, not everybody's listening to the podcast. So the nope. fact that she was generous with her time to ask the questions, yep. and then you know the Western Horse Review for you know including that article about a brand new show. So the support continues. Yeah. And so thank you to Monique. Thank you to you know the Webster's uh you know we just had Clay in the last episode and and we talked about the Western Horse Review so right. it, it's a privilege and I'm very appreciative. Oh that's great. Yeah. Western Horse Review's got a big readership. I, I I enjoyed my affiliation with them. They were wonderful to me and uh yeah. and when we talked to uh to Clay he mentioned that you know Ingrid yeah. was the uh, kind of creator of the magazine if you will and then they uh, they had the opportunity to buy the magazine from her and such like that. So, yeah, it's, it's great readership. That's great. So yeah, and uh, I've already I've reached out to Jen because they do things, you know, as part of their business to help promote things like our show. So we'll be reaching out to them to uh, see what you know what they can do to help us and 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 so that we can help them. I mean, we'll talk about them obviously here on the podcast, but. Uh, no, that's the way it works, right? In the industry, everybody scratches everybody else's back. And so in, in thinking about that, um, we just got a, another new sponsor. So it's it's through Northern Performance Horses, which, of right. course, we know from our first guest we episode sure one. Good, Shelby. Yeah, Shelby. Um, and, but, but, it, but it's also coming from Jerry. So thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Northern Performance Horses. And yes. they're stepping up to, to be what is the non-pro division sponsor. And so those are the other non-pro classes. And, and so we've got added money um, going to all of those different classes. And so their sponsorship helps us to make that all possible. So Boy, that, people are just making this, uh, they're going to make the rewards very good. So there is definitely going to be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for all of the entries. And I hope... Uh, Everybody's really looking forward to these, uh, to yeah. their entries. 
Well, and and then so I wanted to clear up a story from last podcast. You remember, oh, you remember the penalty? Oh, oh, oh. I do. Yeah. I do. We we're talking about uh, Cole Reinhardt. Yeah, we we're talking hockey, and I screwed NHL up. NHL game, and I, I, I kind of was relying on you, and you did the you did the homework, right? You did the homework and came up with stats, and what did you tell us? Well, I hadn't watched the game, and I, if you listen back, I said that. I said, uh, I said, I didn't see the penalty. Did he hook? Did he slash? You know, he can't yep. do that. Uh, so this morning, when I arrived here to set up and get ready for our cutting show, there was Mum, and I was looking forward to seeing Shauna, and I said, congratulations. That was amazing. And you could tell, definitely happy, proud, all oh, of those things. Oh, she was. But she did say to me, she said, oh, but the penalty. <laughs> immediately yeah. I was like, Ooh. oh no. Yep. <laughs> because I made the joke about like he did that to get on the stat sheet. As it turns out, anyone who saw the game already knows I had not seen the game. I didn't know it was a late penalty. And unfortunately the game was tied. And on that penalty, the other team scored. And unfortunately they did lose the game. And Cole felt obviously horrible about Nashville that. Nashville Predators. Yeah. That was the other That's team. who they were playing. Yeah. And so, yeah. so that, you know, and it, no single moment ever costs a game. A game is won and lost over 60 minutes. But right. as your first ever NHL game, did he feel badly about that? Of course he did. And so I just don't want anybody thinking that I am making a joke about something yeah. that would have yeah. made him feel bad because right. I would never do that. But I also know, and this is really cool, Kashana told me that one of the vets said, hey, kid, one or two kids, you know, they play their first game and they get lucky and they score a goal and it's the greatest thing ever. And you hear that because it yes. makes the news. He says, sure but everybody else, myself included, we do something like that. Right. Water right. off a duck's back. Hey, that's that's good of you that you jumped out and owned up to, uh, like, you didn't mean to, to slander me. Yeah. I, I think it's important to, like, you and Mark understand the sport because you followed it a lot. And you also, uh, you explained to me a nuance of hockey this late in the season, um, this late in the season, it's really not about winning and losing. And mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, it's a lot about introducing some of their newer players into the game, getting them into the league, into the NHL, getting some of those butterflies away. Yeah. Worked pretty well. So the young guy takes it, takes a penalty, takes a hit. Uh, you kind of, we didn't, maybe we didn't handle it right, but now we have. Mm -hmm. And, what he's got, we got to look at the big picture. Mm -hmm. He's played his first NHL game now. There wasn't an immense pressure on him from a standings point of view for the Ottawa Senators, right? Yo. So it wasn't that he got called up to fill a slot, and and if he doesn't produce, they don't go to the playoffs. Yeah, that was a foregone situation. Yeah. So anyway, got it done. Yeah, you know what feelings are all around in a non-pro Rainer world. Mm -hmm. A, a novice rainer or a novice horse person goes out into a contest and they always think they're going to be the first to make a mistake. Yeah. And they, they are not the first. No, they never invent a new mistake. And I, th and I'm going to guess the reason that Cole has gone to become so successful as you can is because you got to forget those and move on. You cannot dwell on those. And, and I, here I am talking about it. He's probably already forgotten about it and moved on. Um, and, and that's the way you should do, right? Yes, because absolutely. I think we, when we make a mistake and I, I like, I like it when you connect it to the horse show, you, you know, you made the mistake. I'm going to connect it to the story that we've talked about on the podcast with Lane dancing. So yes. with her tap, I don't know how many total tap sounds there are in a single dance, but call it a thousand. It's more than a thousand individual. And she, at the end of a, a number, she'll be like, oh, I missed one of my sounds. <laughs> like, wow. Like, you know, Ooh. you missed this sound, yes. but, you but know, nobody who, else does. How, how many other people in the room or how many other people yeah. looking and watching yeah. would recognize that? Yes. So don't, you know, you can't focus on yeah. what you didn't do. Focus on what you did do. So and, you, you know yeah. about the raining scoring, right? How, how yeah. they score raining. Yeah, it's right? great. They, I love it. Maneuver by maneuver. It's one of the, it's probably one of the leading edge or cutting edge systems in the three major disciplines, cutting, yeah. raining, and cowers. And in the raining, and the, one of the biggest things is make your maneuver and move on. Right. The judge scores it. Yeah. So you think, oh, I, I kind of muffed that up or I didn't do that as well as I could have. Forget that and move on or you'll make a mess of the next one thinking about the last one. And the last one's in the history books now. Well, let me tell you this story because this one was shocking when I heard it. But 
if you're a fan of golf and you watch golf interviews, now when the players, they, they'll say, like, let's talk about what happened. And so now what happens, the players are there, they're watching a hole. And as you as the spectator are watching their shot from, say, the third hole, and they're describing it and they're talking about it, they get to watch it there. Do you know why? No. That's a Tiger Woods deal. That didn't used to happen until Tiger Woods because Tiger, he used to hate his post round interviews because they'd say, tell me about that shot on eight. Oh, and he's like, and I'd already let it go. Don't remember. Yes. He, yep. The moment he hit a shot, the next shot was the next most important shot. Right. And so it was gone. And so he'd sit there and he'd be like, I, I don't know what I did on shot on, on hole number eight. So that's, they started playing it back wow. for him. They're like, watch this shot here, Tiger. Tell us what you were thinking. When he would see the shot, he could remember what he was yep. thinking. And this is this is what we're talking about across the board. When we like, here we are on a raining podcast. Yeah, rain is a sport, but the psychology of sport is so so common. That thread runs all through there. It's it's how you approach it. It's a mental approach, mm -hmm. and it's that's as important to your game as the skill set you bring to it. Well, that's cool that you brought up the psychology of it because this episode is an episode with you and I, and you're going to help me out with understanding some of the horse psychology. Uh, so horse psych 101. And I'm going to make some connections to some of the students that I used to teach. I referenced um, having worked in the past in the severe yes. behavior world. Yes. So I'll make some connections there, but that's what we're going to end up doing. I did want to talk about a couple of more things first, because we are here at Silver Slate. And in talking with Tina, if you don't know Tina Sanjangelo, that's uh, Chrissy's mom, Mike and Tina. They're the... Uh, they're the, they're the mom two. and dad proprietor yeah. of the uh, Silver's Lake. Yeah. So if you don't know Tina, you should get to know her because she's just as sweet as, as can be. But uh, so I was talking to her earlier today. And so, yes, they have submitted their application for their June show. Yes. And so that's happening. And so, so their June raining show. Their June raining show. Yeah. 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 So we want to make sure that our listeners know that that's happening and, uh, and, and well, whatever. Yeah, you yeah. got to come down. I believe I checked my date book and I'm coming. You are right. you are going to be there, Ron. I'm going to be there. Yes. Yeah. I, I I love love Silver Slate as uh, I think we've told many people all yeah. the time. So, so yeah. uh, that's an, another great adventure uh, on the uh, calendar. I think 2022 there's going to be a lot of highlights in the reigning world, and uh, mm. over and above the exhibition is going to be the highlight. Hey, I, that's that's a personal opinion. So. So yesterday we're we're having dinner at Silver Slate Steakhouse. Shout out to the steakhouse. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. food. There's another Sant'Angelo. Brian's the son, Chris's yeah. brother, that runs the steakhouse and everybody knows great food there. But you and I were there for dinner just before you arrived. Danae had called me on FaceTime and and so she's calling, of course, from Kentucky, as everybody knows. Hey Danae, yeah, yeah. Just about to have dinner with Ron. Say hi to Ron. And so I flipped the phone over. So she's looking at you, and what did you say? I just, I was overwhelmed by how joyful she is. She's yeah. just, but she's you, just, you said, Danae, how do you feel about being oh, on yeah, 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 I did too. the podcast? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, how do you feel about being on the podcast? And she <laughs> did the startled look like deer in the headlights. What? <laughs> had to take the, you had to take the phone back and go, well, we were, we were talking about you, not in an apologetic way, but yeah. all of a sudden I realized that, yeah, I'd done it again. I'd stepped in my own mouth with both feet. And <laughs> it was perfect, Ron. I'm so glad you, you said that because she, uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we discussed her, and obviously, you know, yeah. I, who knew? Well, so she, so she, so she zips, uh, and I said, okay, we're gonna have dinner. So she thought yeah. she was gonna get a conversation. So instead, she goes back and she listens to episode six with Tessa because, as, as we talked right. about in that episode, yes, that yes. was one of her yeah, former she, uh, trainers. So, so she says, sends me this note here, and um, you know, it, it was just great. She says, uh, Oh, here it is. I'm listening to episode six right now. It's so funny with exclamation points. Love it. I need to go back and listen to them all. So that's cool. So now we've got a all regular right. listener. But as she as she uh, she's answered one of the questions that had come up, which is I said, you know, Chris by five, and I talked about my nephew Graham knocking yes. your arm off. Yeah. So she sends me this video, and it's from Deadpool. He pays for a cab ride because he doesn't travel with his wallet when he's working. And he's got his Deadpool outfit. He's how about a Chris Pie five? And that's how he pays for his cab ride. And so we've been Chris Pie fiving ever since. So she figured that uh, out and remembered. Yep, and uh, yep, yep. yeah. So anyways, I, I wanted to give that update. And then this is me talking a lot. So you're going to make up for all of this in, in the psych of the horse. Well, <laughs> the psych of the horse started. Yeah. It started from a conversation that you and I were having. You were telling me you, you called it severe 
what is it? The, the, the kids where they called severe behavior disorder, severe behavior disorder. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that's disconcerting to me. You know, like when you think about the, the, the circumstances that surround there or how they get to be classified or like that. So my actual program was called the bat class, which has a cool ring to it. I got hired to be the bat teacher. Yes. Yeah, sounded, I know, sounded yeah. awesome, right? Stand for behavior adaptation and treatment. So uh, there's something that their behavior that needs to be adapted and treated. Ron, do you think I was <laughs> This well, is my first uh, official yeah, full-time teaching job. That's what I when you told yeah. me that that this was your your first placing. And you know what I know? Now having done the job, nobody's qualified for it. It's not something that you... Well, qualified. Hold on. Yeah. I'll clarify that. There might be quite a few people, and I think probably you were qualified. Mm. But were you ready? Or, or you know what I mean is... Yeah. Um, you don't qualify for something like that. You, like previous experience, sure. Mm-hmm. But you either qualify or you're able to deal with that kind of thing or you're not. Some people can't deal with it. I'm not very good at that kind of, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. But, so when you're riding a horse, because that's where we wanted to go yeah, with this, is like, could you think of it as like you're doing behavior adaptation and treatment? Like it's not coming from a negative standpoint. And I don't no, think these kids no, should not. be. Yeah. It's, when you're working with horses and we, we've gotten some insight from mm-hmm. a lot of the other trainers that we've talked to on here. And, you know, you don't think of yourself, shall we say in those terms, but those are accurate terms to use and more precise mm-hmm. than a lot of the horse trainer talk, you know, the the, the verbiage that goes along with, you know, like what's a green rider, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a color, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a level of experience and right. things like that. But yes, you, you are, you're, you're trying to, trying to change the behavior or sometimes deal with the behavior. And there was one statement you made about one of your students. It was a, was a opinionated or oppositional, oppositional defiant oppositional defiance and that's what triggered our from oppositional defiance once you said what that was we it it triggered something in in my horse experience and in so many conversations i've had with other trainers about that so op oppositional defiance that's that we all encountered the swings of the metronome you know like where does it fall from a low range to a high range Mm -hmm. but your student, for example, uh, opposed everything. 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 That didn't matter what you. Well, what and, you until you build a relationship. Yes. Without a relationship, everything. Yeah, 100% oppositional. In today's world, my, my response to that was you, you asked kind of, well, are horses, are some horses like that? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And that, they, they, they question everything you do. You go, hey, you want to go to the, want to turn left? No. That's the first answer. Can I ask you this? Are are horses naturally trusting or untrusting? Horses come in a variety of trust levels. But the ones that are, in most cases, they start from a cautious, suspicious level. Right. All the way up to what I call pleasers. Mm. That's the horse that never questions you, always says, what could I do? What did you want? And if you're riding a pleaser, you like you feel like a horse trainer because the <laughs> horse just like you go, well, let's do this. And the horse goes, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And those are those are pleasers. And somewhere from that zone down, that horse will oppose what you suggest in varying degrees. And you know, as I was, I was thinking back, I, I thought at first when you were came up again when you come up against an oppositional horse, one that, that just thinks all your ideas suck mm-hmm. and they don't want to play the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of those horses fall out of horse training school. They fall out of school because they're too difficult to train. There has to be some kind of amazing redeemable or re- redeemable virtue, like a skill set that keep this horse in school. Because while you're trying to overcome the behavior aspect of it, your neighbor is training the horse that's going to compete against you. They're teaching it stuff. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get your horse to listen to your idea. Wow. So you can see the 
the dichotomy of who's getting further ahead. And so a lot of the horses fall out of school. And then over a period of time, say the horse is really athletically talented, mm -hmm. but mentally challenging. Like over, that horse may stay in school a little while longer. And if they're fortunate, they'll get in the hands of someone who's a very skilled horse. Not a, I hesitate to call them a horse psychologist, but they're very skilled. They're up to the challenge and are more like you were with your bat class. Mm -hmm. They're willing to stay in there, listen, try new stuff, experiment, just be a steady natured force in there. And that's what most of the time will overcome that horse. You, uh, uh, you, you, you are bringing up a couple of things for me right now. And I want to say generally, I've seen people who they, they got through this difficult horse and they got to the classic show and they got through the pattern and they didn't score well, but it's as if they won the championship because yes. they overcame. And, and I think there just must be so much reward in that. And then I don't know if you would remember, and it's terrible. I can't remember her name right now. She was brand new last year. She came to two of the classic shows and she didn't really know what sort of HD two was about. I ended up having a conversation with her and she wanted right. to buy her videos. And I'm like, no, they're included. Like, and, and anyways, um, that's not the important part of the story. I get sidetracked. I saw that. I got, yeah. You know what you've got? What? You got to train a thought with no caboose. <laughs> okay. That's what you got, buddy. Okay. You just give me a whoop, whoop and I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll get back yeah, on track. Okay. So anyways, what I wanted to say was, um, as a first timer, this, this young trainer, um, she worked with horses, I believe. I remember her. You, you told remember me her, her, right? Yeah. And so, I, so yeah, yeah she yeah. was there and, and so she was looking at some rescue photos. Horses. She had had some rescue horses. Yes. So anyways, I'll get her name and, and I want to know more about her because I just loved her demeanor. I loved the, what she, and she was so happy, not for herself. She was so happy for the horses. So I think that's what I'm thinking of as you're talking about that, these. That, well, that, that's a good thought. And that's a very good catch, Dave, is that so much of what we see when we watch competitors, we talk to the trainers, and we've heard it yeah. in, in varying stage. Wendy gave us some insight. Austin gave us insight. Jesse, every one of them has given us insight. And really the take-home message, the insight is, they feel good when they've developed that horse's skills. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wendy told us a great little story. Mm -hmm. They feel good when they've developed that horse's talent and gotten around some mental challenges that the horse presented it or could, where it could have gone either way. And I think that for most of the people involved with horses, and I say the majority of them, and mm -hmm. I really, I really want to believe this because I believe it. The journey is way better than the destination. Mm -hmm. So it's all that hard work. It's mm -hmm. when you go in there and you show that horse and you get the best they could present that day, mm -hmm. your joy is unbounded. It that, doesn't matter didn't, about didn't the Clay score. say that in, yes. the, in the last episode? Yes. He did. Yeah. Yeah. See? yeah. You're what you did was you accomplished what you're trying to do, and that horse trusted you through it, went with you, and got the job done. Mm. And those, if you don't value that part of it. I will say this candidly, mm. this industry is not for you. The, the horse world is not for you. You talk about Marilyn regularly on yes. the podcast. So yes. I, I, I can't wait for the day when, when she comes on and people can hear her voice because, oh. you know, you work in the raining cutting cow horse. Yeah. And, and so people know Marilyn very well in the cutting yes. uh, side of things because yeah. she's performed in cutting for a long time and is yes. a wonderful competitor. But I don't know that many of the Rainers do know Marilyn. So I, I look forward to her, yeah. you know, coming in and, and meeting some people. But she wants to help out with the exhibition. So yep. they'll, yeah, get to, they'll get to meet her there, yeah, right? Yeah, they so. will. I hope, I hope they do. But, and, uh, yeah. So what I was going to say around that was because we were talking just yesterday about how, um, you know, she's now, you know, can I say, she's adventuring into a new a realm, yeah, leave it at that. she's messing around with a new deal. Yes. Yeah, okay. In so the we'll, horse world. Yeah, and... and, uh, and People can figure it out, Ron. Two and two oh, yeah, it's a yeah. place that, that you're quite, you know, competent in. You're yeah, you're yeah. really good at it. So she is looking to you for help. And and so you're doing some things that uh that are, are unique and and you and she wanted you to sort of tell you what you were doing. But I would say this, Ron, 
because you described the situation to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably didn't know what you were going to do until you got on the horse and you're like, oh, I need to do this. So it's yeah. not like you could have looked at it and go like, oh, well, right. that's the solution to this problem. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I guess it's, that's a lot of, um, I've been fortunate to ride with some very talented people. I try to engage myself in more talented conversation. I've been fortunate that um, because I'm a slow learner, I've been given a lot of, a lot of years to learn it in. And those kind of things, like when you go to, when you're dealing with a horse that's not presenting itself well and is having kind of mental difficulties and she, between the horse and the rider, their communication lines aren't open. There isn't a simple fix. It's not just like, uh, it's not just like you say, well, put this bridle bit on or change this or loosen your cinch or tighten your back cinch or do something like that. It's never that simple. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to feel it a little bit. And that's where I talk about the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's where Marilyn is such a, like, she's a pleasure to coach from that aspect. Although it is a marital test, I will admit that, mm-hmm. to be coaching your wife. And, uh, but she has enough sense and feel of the horse that she goes, oh, there it is. I got it. Yeah. So uh, when you tell her, try this and Early on in your career, I think most trainers will do this. They'll say, well, I, I just knew what to do. Yeah. Well, that's a big old ball-faced lie. <laughs> I learned what to do. I Maybe yeah. uh, you over know what years you of practice. Over the years, yeah, you yeah. try something and, and you go, well, I think this will work. Try this. And it, some things work for some people. Other ways work for others. And that's the whole experiment of that. And that's the whole thing you have to be open to to try it's kind of like that timeout you were telling me about. You want me to tell that story? Well, it's kind of interesting wow. about, uh, about you know, because as a, as a dealing with horses, you're going to run into that kind of problem horse that you really would like to get around it. Mm-hmm. But, and, and somebody offers you a, yeah. simple solution that you think sounds too. Yeah. I was going to give the story away that the, you know, sometimes the, the simple solution is the right one. And we talked that it had come up in Shelby's interview where it's just relax, go, go to the corner, yep. compose yourself. Right. But um, yeah, the simple solution. So in this class with uh, this one student, who I'm not going to say his name. Um, we talked about it. I just we were going to give him the name of Steve. Steve. I call yeah. everybody Steve. Yeah. yeah you you'll see Steve exhibition. Uh, people might've seen that. That's who produces the podcast on the episode. So everybody's <laughs> Steve. Yeah. 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 He looks like a Steve. We'll call him Steve. <laughs> Why would you call him Steve? Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Where's the you computer? I'm off the rails. Whoa, whoa. Thank you. I'm back. So, so this student was extraordinarily challenging. So my first job that, uh, I was hired to do in the behavior adaptation treatment, eight students is a full classroom. So you can imagine. And it comes with a full-time aide for the entire day, a lunchroom monitor who comes in. So there's three of us and the administration comes in and helps out as well. So it's sometimes four, adults working with up to eight kids. Now, when I got the classroom, there were only six kids because kids move in and out. If you adapt them and treat them, they go on and they go back to the classroom. That's the goal of the program is to give them the skill sets to go back to the classroom. That's a whole nother story. But anyways, I had six kids, everything. It was really hard. I've learning as I went because I wasn't qualified, but I was trying. And so uh, next thing you know, everything's just going great. Uh, life is not stressful anymore. And I got introduced to the the missing two students. Here they come. And one of them was, I, I just can't tell you how challenging he was. And so he would get angry and he would go into attack mode and he would start to hiss and he would want to stab you. And he would come up with a plan that he was going to kill you and, and all of these things. And he was completely out of control. He was a danger to himself, danger to me, danger to Dave, the classmates. Yeah. Dave, tell me how old he was. Cause this blew me off. Oh, great too. Yeah. Grade two. Grade two. Yeah. So the, it's a division one classroom, meaning that I could have kids from grade one to three, but most of the kids in order to qualify for this classroom had to have a double diagnosis. So oppositional defiance, um, they could be, uh, obsessive compulsive. They could be, um, they could have attention deficit. They could, they would have hyperactivity, all of these different things. And they would need to have a minimum of two psychologist, diagnosed by a a professional psychologist to get the appropriate code that they could then qualify for a spot in this classroom. So to get there in grade two, like you are fast tracked, Ron. Yeah. Yeah, So these kids have had a really tough go. Um, and they, they had been taught by great teachers who tried everything and it it just doesn't, wasn't working. And so, yeah, so that's the picture. And, and there, there's, there's a handful of classrooms throughout the city of Calgary that 
offer this program to try and help these young people. So then here comes this student and um, he was ruining my classroom. And yeah. he was, as I said, he was a danger to everyone, including himself. But all of the good work that I had been doing with the other six students was lost. And so I called a meeting <laughs> with the minds. And so all the people I mentioned, the principal from our school, the director from the board and, and psychologists, we all sit there and we're going to, we're going to brainstorm. And I'm, all I'm thinking is, is like, figure out how this student is out of the classroom because I'm not, I can't, I can't help him. I right. just can't. And this psychologist looks across the table and says to me, Dave, have you tried giving him a timeout? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had a list of, yeah. I don't know how many things I've tried, Ron. How about a Werther's? But I had not given him a timeout. And I let this lady know that if you knew how, you know, crazy thing seems harsh, but it's true how crazy this, this, this experience was. And, and, yes. and I think, no, a timeout's well, not going to work. This is a little eight-year-old yeah. that, that's going to stick his pencil in your eye. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, timeout, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you sit there, go, go to the corner. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I got mad because... <laughs> People don't know me to get mad, but unfortunately it builds up. And when I get mad, I can get really mad. So I let her know how displeased I was with her idea of a timeout. And we moved on. So then the next day, what do I do? And I'm like, well, better give him a timeout. So Steve, <laughs> here he goes. And so, and I said, you know what, Steve, you're going to have a timeout. He's like, no, don't give me a timeout. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you got to sit in that chair and we'll, oh, I want to kill you. If I had a knife, I would stab you. If I had a gun, I would shoot you, but I can't because I'm stuck in this chair. And he just sat there and he just went, oh. and 10, 15 minutes later, and he was chilled. He was chilled and it totally worked, Ron. And so this, the point of the story is that the solution, I never would have thought of it. No chance would I have thought to give a timeout. No chance. And yet it worked. With the, the kid I thought was the hardest, the solution was the easiest. It was the simplest. Yeah. was the simplest, yeah. So, you know, and I think so, it, that's, you know. That's, that's a common That's a common thing. When you told me that story. Yeah. That along with the oppositional defiance. Right. That, that's such a similarity in the horse world. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you're, you're obsessing about like, what can I do? Like, I got to get, there's this going on and there's that going on and there's this wrong well, deal with the one simplest thing you can do and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And do you do it slow enough and steady enough? And I just I don't think a, you'll ever come up with that on your own, though. I think you need someone on the outside you, to say, have you tried this? Well, you can get too deep in the middle of it. And that's yeah. why. Remember when we've talked about, we've talked to, I don't know, six trainers now? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. What's one of my questions, Dave? Remember, who do you go to mm. when you run up against a technical or a mental block. Right. I always ask. I do that. I'm selfish. Mm. Dave, I want to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. what do I do? You have to learn to distance yourself, but you really need an outside set of eyes, and that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you weren't going to think of that. You were in the middle of the mud hole. I wonder, I can maybe we can ask this of our next guest, but how often do trainers give other trainers tips? Oh, Totally regularly that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's totally cool. Totally regularly. Uh, let's, we were just recently we were talking to uh, Clay. Mm -hmm. right. Clay said, hey, well, I, I got John. together with John Swales and, uh, you know, I helped him, you know, showed him <clears throat> what I could do in the rain work mm -hmm. and he showed me on the cow work and, and I'm sitting there thinking, hey, good trade. You know, both very talented in, in a specific area. Mix that up and make them both better. Um and you, That's you cool. see it more often and hear about it, then then maybe there should be more of it. My uh -huh. suggestion would be in in a, in a trainer world. I think uh, with with the horse trainers, I think that they it depends on how much you want to know. Mm -hmm. You got to be a little bit brave to start it out. You you know what I mean by brave? You have to you have to approach that person and know them enough to say. Well, what do you do with this circumstance? Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as an untrainable horse? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you call them untrainable, um, maybe that's not the correct verbiage. Maybe that's not, but is it worthwhile? And I remember that being a part it, of the conversation. Is, is it worthwhile? And I, I think with the, a lot of times, my recommendation now, I used to be a lot more cut and dried before before I thought I knew anything. 
um, used to be so cut and dried about whether it's this or that. A lot of horses fall into the same category as uh, what's the, the dog behavioralist guy that was on TV. And he said that not, you know, dogs, it's more the owner than the dog or something. Right. Like, you no know, bad dogs, only bad owners. Right. That kind of deal. Yeah. There's a little bit of that goes on, but also I find more often that the, it's the horses. You're trying to make the horse fit into the wrong job. Round, round pig, square hole. Yep. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to make the, the horse fit into the wrong job. And instead of really looking at the horse's talents, and I think one of the conversations we got into with was with Austin mm-hmm. Seeloff, and he, he mentioned that. You know, he took a, a horse as far along as he could, and he said to the owner, hey, this horse is only going to get to this point as this. But he went on to another uh, career choice, and the horse excelled at it. You're right. I remember that. And those are the those are the things that, that, that really make it is – you have to have a really open mind, and that's where sometimes an open mind, meaning you got to think outside the box sometimes as you're working that horse and, and evaluate the attributes that it's got. Mm-hmm. And you really have to be you have to be a student of the game and be able to ask people that you admire about experience they've had. And what my experience has been with asking those kind of questions to those kind of people mm-hmm. is they go, Oh yeah, I've, I've had that frustration. You, you know, you find out that you're, everybody's doing, encountering the same things. And it, it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it therapeutic, but what it is, it's validation. Yeah. You're not the only one. And one of the things you always want to mark down is the kind of harsh treatment and a rough methods that you might employ to try to train a horse mm-hmm. start when your knowledge runs out. Mm. <laughs> okay. You follow that? Yeah, I do. So yeah. you're training that horse along. And when you see somebody start to lose their, their cool, lose their temper and start to be on the borderline of abusive and they start to really get after, I can guarantee you they're starting to run out of knowledge mm. and that's what they're frustrated about. Well, I got to. They need a timeout. I'm going to connect your comments now to my experience of the bat classroom. The, the the language that would be used is fix the kids. And then, as I said earlier, now they go back to the classroom. Well, as it turned out, the vast majority of the kids that I taught, guess what, Ron? Nothing wrong with the kids. Okay. Kids were fine. Yeah, there you go. Guess whose behavior and adaptation changed? families mine oh yours yeah i i figured the kids out i'm like well if i talk to them this way if i set up my classroom that way if i present their lessons like this if i support them here they can become a very capable pleasant individual in fact you could look at it and say they were fixed but guess what would happen if i sent them back into the regular classroom so there's nothing wrong with the kid there the reality is a traditional classroom isn't the right fit for right. everyone. And that's right. what I'm hearing now in your story. Totally. This, the reining pen is not where this horse is meant to be. Nothing wrong with the horse. It's right. just not a reining horse. Is that yeah. fair? That's fair. And the other thing too is how do you present the material? So mm-hmm. you have the reining curriculum in your hand mm-hmm. and you pre- you're presenting it in the traditional approach. Maybe you need to adjust your curriculum. Because it's not working. Yeah. So, and and that's where that horse that would fall out of school, and I said before, you know, the horse that I won't call them untrainable, I'll call them unsuitable. Mm-hmm. And those horses fall out of training because this there is an economic factor. Mm-hmm. Under, underlying this whole process, sure. there's an economic factor. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to have enough time and you can remediate this horse, that will work. But lots of horses fall at us out of class, out of training, just because of the economic fact. But very often, if you readjust the curriculum, that horse can have a very productive little life. We were talking about a horse this morning, and we jokingly called it um, Steve. It was, <laughs> was it, did you legit call his it? His mother's name was Steve. Oh, good. Okay, his yeah. mother's name was Steve. And... Uh, so it was Steve's 
something, little something or other. Yeah. We renamed it Steve's Little Disappointment. Oh, uh, yeah. Because this horse was supposed to have a career in cutting. Right. And this was no more a cutting horse than I'm an NBA basketball project. <laughs> you know I mean? This rascal's just yeah. not going to do it. But you know what? He found another avenue, found another place. Steve's Little Disappointment ended up being a great turnback horse. You know, just needed a new career change. Well, he was on the wrong side of the timeline. But That's I'm hearing, all. like, so, I mean, we, we'd say the horse is, maybe they're not a fit, they're not a reigning horse. Maybe they're a cutting horse yep. or maybe, you know, but the other thing is, is maybe the rider is not a fit either. Like, because if you don't know, like, I, I think I'd like to be a rainer. So you try to become a rainer and maybe you're not cut out. Like I just thought like Austin oh, again, yeah. Hey, he comes up often in, in, in yeah. the conversation. That was such a wonderful interview and we got to have him back again. Cause somebody said he needs to have his own show and he, he does. But anyways, um, Oh, if the tracks get run, <laughs> I saw that. bring me back. No, what I wanted to say was, is that he had had a different experiences, but he knew like his lane is right. raining. He's yeah. in his lane. Whereas right. like Clay, who we just talked to, of course, you know, he's like, yeah, he likes the raining, but without question, like he can, he can, he, he did the cow horse and now he's thinking, oh, I'm going to try cutting. So I just think for the people out there who might be listening, they're probably rainers, but you and I know that there's these, there's cutting, there's cow horse. Like maybe they also want to explore, oh, explore. There, there's lots of different things like that. And I think, I think the, the personality type dictates where you go. And here again, that's one of my, my favorite questions asking the folks that we talk to. Mm-hmm. I always ask them, like, what what intrigued you about the raining? Mm. And most often or not, Dave, we get back that controlled person. Sure. Those control people, they yeah. love that deal. Because well. raining is totally under your control and guidance, you and the horse. Mm-hmm. And that horse got to be on your team and, and has to be a question. And uh, I think, again, it was Austin who said, you know, the cutting aspect of it. Yeah. He said, that card's a, uh, cow's a wild card. He said, I didn't like that. That's too many variables. <laughs> it's true. So, hey, we, we talked about this episode being horse psychology, Ron. But I, as we've gone into conversation, it's more rider psychology, isn't it? it? A lot of it is rider psychology. And, you know, when, when we talked about doing this little thing, and I, I, I mean, I'd sit and talk about horses and training them. And, I mean, before the, after the show was over, I took an opportunity to have a long visit with, uh, with a longtime trainer here. And we talked about different horses and it's insightful to talk about the different personalities that a horse has and the different personalities we have. And the trainer I was talking to, we were talking about how a horse learns. Mm-hmm. And we talked to, I said, you know, this horse that I've been working is one of those horses that you ride for its little session today. And at the end of the session, you're never really certain that you've really got this horse thinking your way. It never gives you all the signs and and signals that it goes, yeah, I get it. I got it. I can do that. It doesn't do that. But the next day it comes out and it's fine. Hmm. It it does it, but it never told you yesterday that it had the, it had the keys. Hmm. And he said, you know, he said, it would just save you so much time on that previous day. He said it would save wait till tomorrow. He said it would save me so much time if I knew. And he said, plus that, it would save me that extra time of worrying about it all night. That's what horse trainers are like. Those thoughtful guys like him. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They take that home with them after work, Dave, and they take that 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 the horse is a project. Mm-hmm. And he's not buying what they're selling. And so they they have to change their curriculum. They're changing their presentation. They're they're working it around and then the next day they come out and that horse goes i got it bud what are you worried about i got it yesterday i just didn't have time to tell you or you know so So, cool so it is it's 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 personalities both horses and humans and that fascinates me and that's why i agree to talk about this because i i certainly i never want to turn the podcast into like i'm i'm a long ways from a specialist or an expert on anything Mm. But I sure enjoy talking about it. But you're here to engage in an interesting conversation that, you know, maybe someone who listens to this now and then engages in a conversation with their friend or their trainer or their partner, whoever it is, and yeah. they start thinking about these things and, and, and maybe thinking about things differently. And, and we're not we're not providing answers. Yeah. We're just well, providing a conversation. It and, is true. And yeah. I think the more I, I've noticed even uh, significant changes in myself over my lifespan yeah. is I'm more thoughtful of my approach to the horse. I'm more thoughtful about what I'm trying to do, how I'm trying to do it. 
and I'm more thoughtful about what the horse tells me about his acceptance of that. And the, the better you get, the better you're going to be. And one person that I really look forward to chatting with on the podcast is a person like Wayne Latimer. I knew you were going to say um, that. Yeah, and, and I've, I've expressed my, my admiration for him. Here's a man that's over 80 years old, spent his entire lifetime in the horse industry, and he's never gotten stale about it. His approach is new, it's fresh, and it's contemporary. Hmm. That is admirable. And how does he do that? Maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't, but boy, I'd like to talk to him about it. Yeah. Because he's got those skills of assessing the horse and and he'll just make some comment. He'll watch, he'll he and I'll sit and watch a horse and rider combination. He'll go, That's a pretty good horse. Not sure he's gonna find that out. Yeah, but it's it's true, he knows. It's yeah. true. He's not he's not saying a person's riding it or the horse he's not saying either one of them is without skills yeah but he sees that the chemistry between the two of them might not fit oh it's like a sculptor working from a piece of marble ron yeah they see the beautiful piece it's going to become yep otherwise that, it would have been it. a stone that's it and after the podcast is over here dave i'm going to tell you a pretty good story but it's got some cuss words in it oh and uh Oh, well, you took you, my last ones out. You know, you, I remember you've been now. so well-behaved on this podcast, well, I have to say. for the most part. And you, you've uh, edited you it out. me. I've lost it a couple uh, of times. I well, called a duck a duck, but <laughs> it was no big deal. But you know what? I think we've probably taken up a little time. Well, you're running and, out of time uh, because you know you've got somewhere that you've got oh, to be. Yeah, but I do. You know what I hope? I, I hope do. that people have enjoyed this uh, conversation again from you and me. We haven't done this since episode one, right. and uh, right. I, I hope it's well received. I, I think it. Uh, I think it was. It was fun for me, Ron. So thank well, you for sharing. I love it, your, hearing it, your stories. It, and it was good for me. I I, I find it uh, pretty. Like I said, I like talking about it. And the one thing I hope that it does, yeah. I hope that it stimulates everybody that's riding a horse to think more about what they're doing. And to go ahead and communicate with the people that they admire that have some skills, talk a little bit more about it. You can solve a lot of horse problems in your easy chair or looking across the table like you and I are doing right here. Before we say goodbye, because you're going to get to say goodbye in a minute, late yep. breaking news. What do you got? We, we do have a, a, another new sponsor to Whoa. announce. And so Chad Dalziel. Dalziel. Chad Dalziel. Yeah. So he's from New Era Homes and he's a friend yes. and client of Wendy Nelson. Yep. And so we talked about, you know, just the, the people yes. who are supporting us and giving back. So Wendy, yes. of course, would have introduced him to the yep. show and, and said, hey, so now he's stepping up and I can't wait to talk to Chad and find out more about New Era Homes. And then we'll tell people about that as soon as we know more here on the podcast. Oh. But uh, whew, I hey. don't know. I'm overwhelmed. Me too. Yeah. Hey, Dave, it's kind of a cool little uh, holiday trailer you got going on here. Yeah. So, hey, see you down the road. Uh, Maybe you'll be my neighbor somewhere else when I'm parked. Huh? <laughs> you'll have me back, eh? Well, same old deal. As we come to the end of the episode, keep listening.